dearly hope we're never too busy to stop and smell a rose. Though life is hectic and most of us have our ample share of woes. Life's full of joy, do you agree? There are many more highs than lows. You do, that's great, it's never too late. Sing with me, here's how it goes. I said hello, hello, I like to say hello, hello, hello. It's fun to say hello, I said hello. We must make time to say hello. What you been doing, what's cooking, what's up, what's new, and how are you? Oh, what you been doing, what's cooking, what's up, what's new, and how are you? Hi, and welcome back to Tell Me What Happened, the podcast that features folks from all walks of life telling us of one childhood experience and how that event impacted who they are today. I'm your host, Jay Rehack, and like you, I've had my share of childhood experiences that have impacted who I am today. Some of those experiences were quite painful, and others were actually quite pleasurable. Tell Me What Happened is sponsored by Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, including Susan Salador's classic, One Little Act of Kindness, available now wherever quality books are sold, perfect for the holiday season. Tell Me What Happened is also sponsored by LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. Your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren will appreciate it. So download the LaughSaver app today. All right. Today I have as my guest a good friend of mine, Timothy Bernard Felton. Timothy is a comedian, improviser, actor, husband, and dad here in Chicago. I met him here through the comedy scene, and he has become a family friend over the years. If you want to catch him live around town, you can find and follow him at Timothy Felton Comedy on Instagram. Welcome to the show, Tim. You mind if I call you Tim? Tim is great. All right, let me get out of the way. I'm going to ask you at the end one question. And that question is, how do you think the story that you've told me has impacted who you are today? Mm-hmm. So take it away, Tim. I'm going to tell you a story from when I was 19 years old, I think, a freshman in college, which qualifies as child, I think, at this point, being 39. So I was a studier in college. I really liked studying, spent a lot of time in the library. And so one evening, school night, I had been in the library until pretty late and I was on my way home. I decided to go back to the dormitory to write my biology lab report. So I head home. On the way, I decide to stop and get a coffee because I know it's bound to be a long and kind of hot evening with me and my studies. Come to think of it, I think I kind of was dating studying in college now that I'm saying it out loud. (laughs) But uh, so I stop at Reed Dormitory. The name doesn't matter to any listeners, but that's that's where I was because they had a cafeteria slash Starbucks and that coffee was going to be my fuel for the rest of the evening. While there, I noticed that there is a woman across the cafeteria who I believe is kind of like making eyes at me. I, I knew her from just briefly, had seen her in passing in my dormitory in the weeks leading up to that, but we had never talked. Now, it's important to know here that I didn't have my glasses on at the time. I had only been prescribed glasses a year before, and I wasn't wearing them regularly. So when I thought she was, quote-unquote, making eyes at me, which is just the way I talk, it could have been that she was just kind of turning her head in my general direction. 
and I thought she was making eyes at me because my glasses are for distance vision. Nonetheless, I was sure that the game was afoot. So I would drink a little bit of my coffee, think about what I was going to do in my biology lab report, and then look up, hoping to catch her gaze again. This went back and forth for a little bit, but ultimately I decided I felt the pull of my studies, and I knew I needed to get home so I could get this lab report done, and this romance could wait for another day. So I take my large Starbucks coffee from the cafeteria slash Starbucks, and I head to my dormitory, which is nearby, but in in another building. I get back to my dorm. I collect my stuff, my essentials for doing my lab report, which were at the time the Amadeus soundtrack from the 1984 classic Amadeus, which I had never seen, but it was a hand-me-down CD from my father, and so I used it for studying. Some pretzels, a notebook, and uh, an old Gatorade bottle filled with water because I've always been an old man at heart and I will not pay for bottled water even back in 2001. So I take all of my supplies. I head down to the middle building in my dormitory. It's two towers connected by a building in the middle where the computer lab exists. This was before I didn't have a laptop. It was before a lot of people had personal computers. So going to the computer lab was essential for me. So I head down there and I open up the um, door to the lab, which is, by the way, hot with 1999 Dell computers all running full blast. There were maybe 12 of them in this small 10 by 15 foot room, all on these two tables and all running with their fans closed, not well ventilated. So it was steamy in there and it was full of bodies at the time. There was only one empty seat in that computer lab and who was sitting next to that empty chair? None other than the woman from the Starbucks slash cafeteria in the other dormitory. At that moment, I realized these are the hands of fate. These, this is not a coincidence. I'm a person who, when I, first time I saw a rom-com, I thought, how did someone capture my story? I was all in when it came to rom-coms, and I that's just how I always was. And so when I see this empty seat next to this person who I had a steamy session of making eyes at in the Starbucks earlier that evening, I realized, okay, this is my meet cute. So I coolly and calmly as 19-year-old Tim can, I wander over or I walk over there to that empty seat, sit down, Log in, open up my notebook, and pop in my Amadeus CD and put on my headphones, and I get to working on my lab report next to this future love of my life, no doubt. I'm working on this lab report, and I'm typing, or I'm trying to type, but nothing is coming to me. I get the title page done, and that's it, consisting of the title, the section that I was in, and my name. And that is it. And then I'm frozen there, fingers hovering over the home row on the on the keyboard and doing nothing for probably five, six, seven minutes, which if anyone is aware of what I'm doing is is fishy. I think no one sits sits there frozen like that doing nothing on their computer. I'm stuck in the prison of my own mind thinking, oh, my gosh, this person next to me, this is my moment. This is my meet cute. I'm here for a reason to meet this person. Wow, things are really looking up for me. But I, as I'm there in, in, in my own head, I'm getting more and more nervous. I'm getting 
an upset tum. I'm sweating a lot. Like I said, all those Dell computers are running, so it's already hot. And I'm getting a nervous sweat, which is not a good smelling sweat. That's a BO sweat. And I'm just stuck in this cycle of being like, you got to do something, but why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you saying something? Say something. Why haven't you said something yet? It gets so bad that I have to go to the bathroom to talk myself down. I go to the bathroom out of the computer lab and I splash water on my face and I talk to myself in the mirror, which if you're at all self-aware is a very embarrassing thing to do. I, I literally give myself a pep talk, like you're going to go in there, you're going to this is your chance, you know, you know, there's a little bit of chemistry happening here, or I thought was happening here, go in there, talk to this woman, be yourself, you know, you're, this is your person, this, the universe has put this person here, so you, you two are sitting next to another for a reason, so I, I calm down a little bit in the bathroom by myself, and I walk back into the computer lab, and she's gone, And without thinking about it, I turn and immediately run down the hallway. I run down the steps. I run out of the center building. This is my running through the airport moment in my head. I run out in front of the dormitory. People are like smoking and hanging out and being, you know, general college students. And I'm looking left and right trying to figure out where is she? Where where has my love gone? And I'm waiting and I'm like, why is she not running back? Why why is she not showing up? Where is the where's the swell in the music? What's happening here? This is not how this is supposed to work. And after standing there looking back and forth, probably like a dog watching a tennis match or something, just and everyone who knows what the people out in front are thinking after doing that for long enough i realize it's not happening so i go straight upstairs leave all of my stuff still in the computer lab i go straight upstairs to calm to calm myself down and come down from this like tizzy that i've worked myself into and i check in with my roommates who are playing tony hawk pro skater i believe because they don't they don't have their same sort of relationship that I do uh, with studying and going to class. But nonetheless, I hang with them for a little bit. Don't mention anything about what just happened. Just try and kind of get my mind off it so I can return to the to the real consistent partner in my college experience, which is my studies. So I eventually calm down. I go back downstairs into the computer lab where I've left all of my stuff. And as I come into the computer lab, it's probably about maybe an hour later. I come into the computer lab and now it's mostly empty. There is the attendant who's there to help folks, kind of looking at so much hentai pornography that it seemed like he must be doing research. Two other people in the computer lab and the rest of the chairs are empty. But who is back in the computer lab? This woman back in the computer lab. She's sitting next to one other person and they seem to be working on like a K201 project, which is something that I don't understand and business students took. They're sitting there and my stuff is still at the end of the row. Amadeus CD open, notebook open, bottle of water, left unattended for an hour and a half at this point. And I realize... The universe has given me a second chance. So I go and I sit back at my computer and I put my headphones on to the soothing sound of Amadeus. And I again assume my position, frozen, fingers hovering over the home row. And I don't do anything. I'm once again stuck. And I think it must be. I mean, if you're in a computer lab and there's someone there not 
typing anything, that's not necessarily a weird thing, but that someone would become aware of. But for them not to be typing anything and not to be surfing the internet or using the mouse at all or doing anything else, not writing in a notebook, just staring at a blank Word document, mostly blank, just a title page, is an odd thing. So I am sure that I became aware that that the other folks in the computer lab became aware of my presence and kind of the oddness or the odd energy that I was surely emitting. Nonetheless, I sit there and I I tell myself I'm not going to let what happened earlier happen again. And then I get my great idea of the evening. And I take my little mouse and I go down to the lower part of the computer and I open up a Word document. And I quickly minimize it because I get cold feet. And I return to my home row, hovering in my frozen state. After another couple of minutes, I realize, okay, buddy, it's now or never. So I go back and I open up that Word document, that blank one. And I type, which at the moment I thought was, oh perfectly romantic but now i can barely bring myself to say say, i type on this blank word document hey comma what do you say we go out sometime question mark and then i immediately minimize it again afraid that someone will see or that really just so uncomfortable with myself and what i'm what i'm doing at this moment after sitting for another couple of minutes frozen sweating in that current state with that little minimized word document just burning a hole in my in my psyche i get my second great idea of the evening (laughs) and i decide to open that word document and i go up to the corner file print and so i hit print and it's it's 2001 so on these old printers immediately it starts this loud sound in the computer lab as this word document with one sentence is printed and I do not move. So everyone hears the printer go and typically what happens in that situation is someone, whoever has printed the document, walks over and retrieves their print. But I was not moving, not flinching. So these folks are probably, I don't know what they're thinking, but this is not the way they expected anything to work. No one is is moving, is budging for that print. Eventually, I get enough courage, I stand up, I take off my headphones, and I walk over to the printer. And there is my romantic gesture sitting face down on that printer. But I don't do anything. I'm, my feet are locked again. I'm standing there next to the printer. I'm sure attracting the attention of the attendant, if he can remove himself from the pornography that he's consuming, or this woman or her K201 partner. I'm sure they're aware that I am just standing there like a mannequin next to this printer, not touching the document that's in it. After being frozen there for what seems like an eternity, I get my third grade idea, and I decide to leave the document there. (laughs) I still get uncomfortable telling this story every single time. I decide to leave the document there. And I walk slowly, deliberately over to these two innocent college students. And I stand, them seated, me standing, a very uncomfortable power dynamic in a conversation. I stand next to them. Eventually they turn towards me because uh, it would be wild and unthinkable to not acknowledge someone's presence. So they turn to me and I look this woman in the face for the first time up close and I say, Hey, 
can you give me some help with the printer? And she stares back at me, understandably confused. One, because that's what the computer lab attendant is for. And two, why is a stranger asking her or even approaching her in this computer lab when she's involved in this clear project with her with her uh, K201 partner? Who is this guy standing next to me? So she's confused, nervous, who knows, but not comfortable, I would say. And she replies, I don't think so. But I double down because, again, this is my rom-com, I'm thinking. And I say, oh, I think you can. Which is, <laughs> in 2022, what year is it? A much creepier thing, I think, to say and 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 just probably inappropriate thing to say in our current context. But I say, oh... I think you can. And she, being a relatively normal, run-of-the-mill human being, agrees. And it's like, whatever will get this interaction over soonest, I'm thinking, is is what she was probably thinking. So she gets up slowly and is like, okay. And so we walk over to the (laughs) printer together. Who knows what her partner is thinking, her lab, or her K201 partner. But we walk over together to the printer, and we're standing there, and she's looking at me like, okay, what what do you need help with that this lab attendant couldn't help you with? What's going on here? What are you, what? And I gesture to the piece of paper lying face down on the printing tray, and I say, I think that's for you. It's so creepy. It's so creepy to retell this story. <laughs> I kind of can't believe that I'm that I'm doing it right now, but <laughs> she looks at me confused and slowly goes for the paper, picks it up, reads my Cyrano de Berger, I don't know, reads my perfect romantic statement, hey, what do you say we go out sometime, looks back at me blankly, no smile, no smile, how could she have a smile, looks back at me and says, sure, I am probably all smiles, sweaty, red-faced, and I respond, cool, and i that's all I say, and I hold a writing utensil in her direction. She takes it, writes down her number, and I immediately leave the computer lab. Again, leaving my headphones blaring Amadeus just out into the ambient space there. All of my stuff unfinished. And I, I just have to leave. I've got so much energy. It's like, this is my this is the beginning. This is the beginning of my story. And I go upstairs and I don't tell anyone about it. But I'm buzzing for like an hour and a half later before I can return. I don't finish this actual biology lab until two or three in the morning because of this detour i've taken this romantic detour so fast forward we go on the date we go to a starbucks a brick and mortar startup starbucks because i am you know a classy guy and there is no chemistry at all it goes fine but it doesn't go great and it was one day and done and that's my story all right i was listening to that story and Feeling my own pain of my own experiences, of course. It's a sad story, but I'd like to know, how do you think that that story impacted who you are today? When I think of myself now being a performer and a comedian, up to that point, I didn't realize that the way I 
perceived the world around me or like in my own kind of dealings with anxiety that the thoughts that would go through my head and the ways that I would react to those thoughts were not how everyone else was behaving. And it wasn't until I told that story live that I realized or like two friends, I started telling that story and sharing all of what was going on in my head, which was a couple of years later, the first time I told it to friends. It wasn't until that point that I realized, oh, the way that I react and what's going on in my head is not how everyone else feels. And and it, there's something that's kind of entertaining. People like to have a window into that. And I think now it makes me it what's make what makes me gravitate towards work that is a realistic representation of humans interaction in the world so like on stage i think that's why i tend to like to portray i like to play in the world of realism whether i'm, I'm an improviser or a comedian i'm not looking for uh, the fan the fantastical i just kind of want to see a normal interaction and uh, feel all of the things that those normal interactions cause me to feel so i think that's how it's kind of like it kind of gave me a hint that that was something a little unique about my experience of this life. And so I uh, have been exploring it ever since. I try to explore it in my own comedy and my own work. All right. Very quickly, how'd you meet your wife? We, we grew up in the same town and then went to the same college, kind of our last, each of ours last choice. We ended up there and she studied uh, religious studies, which my best friend and roommate were studying. It's a small program. So they were in a lot of classes together. So she ended up hanging out at our house that, that I lived at quite a bit between classes and junior year. We started hanging out and became friends. And then that friend, my best friend, our mutual friend, went away for the summer and it was just the two of us. So we kept hanging out as friends. And then it was like, oh, I feel differently about this person than I do a friend. That sounds like day. a rom-com to me, my yeah. <laughs> I'm going to end it on that because that does sound like a rom-com to me. All right. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Tim Felton, Timothy Bernard Felton, professionally. Mm-hmm. If you want to catch him live around town. You can find and follow him at Timothy Felton Comedy on Instagram. So thanks a lot for telling your very painful story. (laughs) Like I said, I feel that pain. I know it. Uh, I think that a lot of our listeners do as well. The uh, sort of a a visual of what you expect to happen, not exactly coming through the same way. Um, I hope whoever that lady is, she's happy wherever she is. (laughs) Me too. I suppose you could probably find her on social media if you needed to. Probably, but I haven't tried. Good man. Stay away from that. You don't need all that. All right. Well, that's our show. Again, I thank Tim Felton. I'd also like to thank my sponsors. Sidelining Publishing, publishers of quality books, and LaughSaver.com. Visit LaughSaver.com and record your laughter. We'll keep it for you now and forever. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, everybody you know will be grateful that you did. So I'm going to end this show a little differently in honor of Tim's sad but ultimately redemptive story with Susan Salador's classic, Love Reveille. So until next time, this is Jay Rehack asking you all to please stay safe out there and try not to hurt anybody. Love Reveille. Supposed to wake up our hearts. I love you, I love you, I love you. Every single day. I hear you. I hear you, I hear you.
and all that you have to say. I see you, I see you, I see you, and all the kind things you do. I love you, I love you, I love you, just because you're you.